You know, isn't it interesting that some songs just um, stand the test of time, don't they? And we're glad for all of the, mu- the new music that's being written and all that sort of thing, but um, aren't you glad for songs like Amazing Grace? And um, praise the Lord for the truth behind that song. And I know that many of you would say this morning, and Pastor Byers, that's what, um, that's what sustained me through a really difficult time this week, was thinking about God's amazing grace. That's what gets me up in the morning, is God's amazing grace. That's why I tell others in my life about Jesus Christ, because of His amazing grace. And then be able to come together on the very first day of the week, uh, on the Lord's Day, where we reset our hearts and our minds and get ready for what God has for us this coming week, it's really good for us to be able to sing together with our brothers and sisters about His amazing grace. So thank you, worship team, for leading us and leading us so well. Hey, if you could choose somebody who would bless you in some way, what kind of person would you want that to be? And when you pause and think about it, there's a lot of different ways you could answer that question. If you could choose Um, to have somebody bless you in some way, what characteristics would you want that person to possess? Now, now, you might say, well, I'd want it to be somebody wiser than me. Because if it was just me, I might um, ask for something that would just provide short-term gratification, like bless me with some cotton candy. But maybe if there was somebody wiser in my life who was actually giving the blessing... It might be something that would be more long-term. So I need, if if I get to pick the person who's going to bless me, I want it to be somebody who's wise. Would we all agree with that? I I, I think we would. Now, now you might also add this. It also needs to be somebody who who knows me well. Because just because somebody's wise, that that doesn't mean they're going to bless me in a way that's going to be meaningful to me unless they know me. So, for example, you could take a wise fisherman who would say, the way I'm going to bless you is, and I'm going to get you the, the most expensive fishing rod and reel there is on the market. Well, great, that's wise, but, but they don't know you very well because you might say, I, I don't even like fishing. So if we're going to pick a person who's going to bless us, you, you want it to be somebody who's wise. You want it to be somebody who knows you well. But, but at some point, I think we'd have to start talking about resources, right? Because if a person, even this morning, came up to you and you knew they had very little financial wherewithal and they wanted to provide some kind of a material blessing for you, that, that'd be kind. Sure, would that, that, that'd be, that'd be um, wonderful. But, but you wouldn't expect much because there's not much capacity. On the other hand, if Warren Buffett or Elon Musk, or, or somebody like that said that they wanted to bless you, well, that might be at an entirely different level, right? So, so if the question is, if you can choose the kind of person who would bless you, what would characterize that individual? I think we would say, well, wisdom and, and an intimate knowledge of me and also capacity. And those things would rank fairly high on the list. Well, friend, here's what the Word of God says. Every follower of Jesus Christ has been blessed. So that, that, that's part of our identity. That, that's part of our existence as redeemed children. But you tell me, who is it that's doing the blessing? It's God Himself. So if there's been a definite time in your life where you admitted your sin, and then you came to God in repentance and faith, and you trusted Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, and I hope there has been, and the Bible says you're blessed. You're blessed by God Himself.
Now, with that in mind, I want to invite you to open your Bible this morning to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1, that's on page 150 of the back section of the Bible under the chair in front of you if you need that this morning. So Ephesians chapter 1 or page 150 of the back section of the Bible under the chair in front of you. Our church's theme this year is building on our heritage. And the reason we selected that theme is because we're celebrating our 60th anniversary And in part, we're just thanking God for the incredible ways that He's blessed and sustained us. But but along with that, we're thinking about, now, now what does it mean to build on that foundation? So it's not just our heritage, or it's not even celebrating our heritage, it's building on our heritage. You know, in the Bible, God's people are challenged to think about being very careful about how you build on something. One of the key passages is 1 Corinthians 3.10, where Paul said, according to the grace of God which was given to me like a wise master builder, I laid a foundation, and another is building on it. But here, here it is, each man must be careful how he builds. You realize this past week we were building on the foundation. So far this year we've been building on the, the foundation, and what the challenge is not everybody's really careful with that. Each man must be careful how he builds on it, for no man can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is Christ Jesus. Now, if any man builds on the foundation with gold, silver, or precious stones, that's one option. That's one kind of words and kind of decisions and kind of actions, or the opposite, wood, hay, and straw. Here's what's going to happen. Each man's work will become evident. For the day will show it because it's to be revealed with fire. Do you believe that? For followers of Jesus Christ, our eternal destiny is secure. But our work someday will be judged by fire. And the fire itself will test the quality. See, it's not a test by scale. It's not a test by tape measure. It's a test by, by fire. If any man's work which he has built on it remains, he'll receive a reward. A reward which we can in turn cast at our Savior's feet. Do you believe that? If any man's work is burned up, he'll suffer loss. In other words, they they weren't careful how they built, but he himself will be saved, yet as through fire. One Bible teacher named Warren Wiersbe used to say this, as a Christian, I don't fear the fire of hell, but I certainly fear the fire of heaven. It's based on that very passage of Scripture. I want to be very, very careful how I build. Well, that's what Paul said to the Corinthians, and I would suggest to every one of us We're in a very similar situation. Why? Well, the the Lord has blessed our church family with a 60-year heritage that is quite remarkable. It is. It's a clear testimony of His sustaining grace. But the question before the house now is, what does it look like to build on that heritage in a way that honors the Lord in the days ahead? And we're asking that question as individuals for each one of us. We're asking that question for us as a a church family. Now, this year we're working our way verse by verse to the great book of Ephesians. And in these early weeks, we're thinking about remembering our identity as one in Christ. I'd like to read um, verses 1 to 14 for us this morning. It's a great, great passage of Scripture. And then we're going to zero in uh, for the time that God has given me on um, Ephesians 1, 3. But let's start in Ephesians 1.1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to the saints who are at Ephesus and who are faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Blessed, here's our verse, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before Him. In love, He predestined us to adoption of sons through Jesus Christ to Himself, according to the kind intention of His will, to the praise of the glory of His grace. Don't miss that, which He, he freely bestowed on us in the Beloved. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of His grace, which He has lavished on us. In all wisdom and insight, He made known to us the mystery of His will according to His kind intention, which He purposed in Him with a view to an administration suitable to the fullness of the times, that is, the, the summing up of all things in Christ, things in heavens and things on earth. In Him also we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to His purpose, who works all things after the counsel of His will, to the end that we who were first to hope in Christ would be to the praise of His glory." In Him you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you are sealed in Him with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is given as a pledge of our inheritance with a view to the redemption of God's own possession, to the praise of His glory. Now this morning we're thinking about how you're blessed. And with the time we have remaining, I'd like us to zero in on verse 3, along with a number of other parallel passages that we're going to bring into this study and we're looking for three reasons to give priority to developing a lifestyle that, that, that worships our Heavenly Father. Now, now, this may be one of those mornings where we really need to pause and even think about that, that proposition. Why did we say it that way? Three reasons to give priority to developing a lifestyle that, that worships our Heavenly Father. How does that come out of verse 3? Well, we've embarked, friends, you probably noticed it as I was reading, we've embarked on a study of one of the longest, most beautiful, truth-packed sentences in the entire Bible. And so we plan to go slowly because of the richness and importance of these concepts. John MacArthur explained it like this in Greek. That's the language in which the New Testament was originally written. Verses 3 to 14 comprise one sentence. Can you imagine? That's one long sentence. And it encompasses the past and the presence and the future of God's eternal purpose for the church. We ought to know that. It's Paul's outline of God's master plan for salvation. We ought to care about that too. In verses 3 to 6a, we're shown the past aspect, election. In verses 6b to 11, we're shown the present aspect, redemption. And in verse 12 to 14, we're shown the future aspect, inheritance, Within God's master plan of salvation is every believer who has or will ever trust in God and be saved. I hope you fit into that category or would get in that category today. As is sometimes expressed, history is simply the outworking of His story, which has already been planned and pre-written in eternity. This passage can also be divided into three sections, each of which focuses on a different person of the Trinity. Verses 3 to 6a center on the Father. Verses 6b to 12 center on the Son, and verses 13 to 14 center on the Holy Spirit. Paul takes us to the very throne room of the Godhead. That, that's really where we are this morning. They show the greatness and the vastness of the blessings and treasure that belong to those who are in Christ Jesus. What an what a incredible passage. Well, well, how does, if this one long sentence, how does it begin? There's some very important introductory issues in the first two verses. We read that. But, but this long sentence begins in verse 3 
with the words, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, now what does that mean? And how do people like you and me mirror that kind of thinking and behavior on a daily basis? In other words, how do we bless the Lord? So if I asked you this week, did you bless the Lord in any way, how how would you answer that? How how did you specifically do what Paul's saying at the beginning of verse 3? How did you bless the Lord? How would you answer that? John MacArthur goes on to explain this. Such gracious truth is introduced appropriately by praise to the one who's made such provision. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ from eulageo. Blessed, that's the word. We get eulogy. We know what that is. A a message of praise and commendation, the declaration of a person's goodness. Because no one is truly good, but God, our supreme eulogy, our supreme praise is for Him alone. Goodness is God's nature. Do you believe that? God's good. And God the Father not only does good things, He is good in a way and to a degree that no human being except His own incarnate Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, can be. Consequently, from Genesis to Revelation, godly men, recognizing the surpassing and humanly unattainable goodness of God, have proclaimed blessing upon Him. For example, Melchizedek declared, Blessed be God Most High in the last days. Every created thing which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth, on the sea and all things in them, will be heard saying to Him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, Be be blessing, bless Him and honor and glory and dominion forever and ever. Nothing is more appropriate for God's people than to bless Him. What have you been doing with that tongue of yours? What have I been doing with that tongue of mine? Nothing is more appropriate for God's people than to bless Him for His great goodness in all things, whether pain. Do you believe this, by the way? Because I know that many of you fit in this sentence. Whether pain or struggle or trials or frustration or opposition or adversity, we're to praise God because He is good in the midst of it all. Can I get a mm-hmm on that? For that, we, we praise and we bless Him. Now, they say, okay, what, what does that look like practically? What does it look like in our life each day? Well, let me try to answer that. One is we, we think about what we worship, what we consider to be good. So in those moments, and we all have them, where we don't have to be concentrating or doing something else, our mind just gravitates to what's most important or what we believe is truly good. You could consider those moments throughout our day, they're like mini worship services. We're blessing something. We're blessing someone in our hearts and minds. So I'm saying we think about what we worship, and then secondly, we talk about what we worship. And I don't mean in some sort of a hyper-pious way, but who or what we believe is supremely good, it's going to come out in our speech, isn't it? That we bless that person. We we, we bless that object because we believe they're good. And that makes sense because Scripture teaches that our words proceed out of that which fills our hearts. So we, we, we think about what we worship, we talk about what we worship, and then thirdly, we organize our lives around what we worship. So who or what we consider to be supremely good, that becomes a grid through which we arrange all of our blessings, all of our trials, and everything in between. So the question becomes, who do we bless? Who who do we bless? Let me give you a concrete example of that. Our Christian school sports teams have really been excelling 
Well, let me just stop there and say, yes, we do have a Christian school, but we're also glad for what God is doing in public schools and those who work or attend there. We're glad for those who are participating in home school, so we're not prioritizing our Christian school over anybody else. But the fact of the matter is we do have one, and um, I tend to know more about what's going on there than in other schools. But when we first started our school, it would have never dawned on us, this would have been 27 years ago now, it would have never dawned on us that we would ever be in the IHSAA, that we would ever actually be participating with public schools. That was not on the radar. That came later when we sought accreditation with the State Department of Education along with a Christian accrediting organization that we already um, had received approval from. So when we went before the State Department of Education, they brought us right in. That allowed us then to participate in sports with public schools. So, so, so we're glad for that. Uh, but we would have never dreamed about it at the end, and certainly not that we would ever excel, which just goes to show, by the way, many times God's plans for you are a whole lot bigger and a whole lot richer than you would have ever believed on your own. That's just the kind of God that we have. Well, well it includes our wrestling team. And so you may know that our um, local newspaper a week or so ago, did a feature article on our school's wrestling team. Now, let's just stop right there for a minute and be very thankful for local media and how favorably they often treat us over the years. And, um, you know, we can say what we want to about media, but it is amazing. In fact, there have been some people over the years who have um, suggested faith owns the Journal and Courier. That's the only way you can explain the number of editorials they publish, the number of, of stories that, that faith must behind the scenes own them. Look, we don't own them. Okay, I just tell you that right now. We wouldn't want to, and they wouldn't want us to. So, so that's not true. But uh, my point is, they, they treat us pretty well in many, many days. So that article is excellent. It was excellent. I'm very, very glad for the coaches of our wrestling team, Coach Kuhn. Coach Olney, they are doing a fabulous, fabulous job. But here's the quote from that article that stuck out to me. And if you read it, maybe it stuck out to you too. It was actually from one of our wrestlers. And you might say, uh-oh, they let one of the wrestlers talk and they actually printed whatever one of the wrestlers. I don't want to eat. Don't put it on the screen, Pastor Byron. It's going to ruin the Lord's day. No, listen to this. This is Ethan Subring. He said this, Kuhn, Coach Kuhn, shows us that we're more than a team. We're a family here at Faith, and that's to represent Christ the best we can through the abilities that He has given us. Now, now just answer this. What was Ethan doing in that moment? He was giving a blessing. See that? It wasn't, and we're number one, and I'm really a tough wrestler. Look at my… No, no. What was he doing? He had, and listen, if you've ever talked to a reporter, it's hard to get your words straight. It's even hard to remember your name. When they put that mic in your face, I mean, it drives you crazy. But here's a young man, an 11th grader, who when he had the opportunity to speak, what did he do? He gave a blessing, and he gave a blessing to his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It was the embodiment of Matthew 5, 16, let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works. Why? Including the good works of who you're blessing and that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. That's what Paul is doing at the beginning of this wonderful sentence in the book of Ephesians. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And it begs a question for all of us, who or what do you tend to bless? 
Who or what do you tend to, to worship? Who do you assign the, the value of supreme good? Well, verse 3 gives us three reasons to give priority to developing a lifestyle that blesses God, that worships our Heavenly Father. Well, why? Why should we? Here we go. First of all, because of the immaterial nature of many of the blessings that He's given to us, you have to follow carefully just the, the logic of this verse One of the reasons it's so easy for us to bless God is because of all the ways He's chosen to bless us with endowments that are, notice this, spiritual blessings. Now, why is that so important? And why is that so helpful to us? Well, it's because we often overvalue material blessings, don't we, and realities, and we organize our lives around them. That's the difference here. Spiritual blessings or our tendency to focus so much on material blessings. Now, I I don't want to state that too strongly because we're not Greek dualists, meaning we we don't believe that all matter is evil. No, God also blesses us materially, and and we're glad for that. In fact, Paul explained it in 1 Timothy 6.17, instruct those who are rich in this present world not to be conceited or to fix their hope on the uncertainty of riches, but on God. Now, listen to this who richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. So we can enjoy the, the material blessings that God has given us, but we surely shouldn't trust them. And we shouldn't worship them, and we shouldn't organize our lives around them. Why? Why is that? Very important question. The answer is because we have something better than that. Do you believe that? Think about all the material blessings, whatever they might be in your heart and life. Great, great. We can enjoy them. But we have something better than that. And what is that? It's all of the material blessings, I'm sorry, the spiritual blessings that we enjoy in Christ. So so what do we do with that? Well, followers of Christ should and can learn to emphasize and prioritize the, the spiritual nature of our existence Paul said it this way to the Corinthians, but a, a natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God for their foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they're spiritually appraised. He who is spiritual appraises such things. That's what we're trying to do this morning. You may remember, by the way, that Jesus did the same thing with His disciples in Matthew chapter 10. That's when He was getting ready to send them out two by two to preach the gospel. And so He was preparing them for what it was going to like to preach about the kingdom of God. And it was a very sobering conversation. Because he said, now listen, you need to get ready for all sorts of mistreatment because of your faith. But but here's what he said. Don't worry about that. Don't fear those who kill the body but are unable to kill the soul, but rather fear him who's able to destroy both soul and body in hell. That is very, very wise counsel for you and me as well. See, too often we get all concerned about what somebody might be able to do to some material or physical aspect of our existence, all the while failing to worship God for the spiritual blessings that we enjoy that can never be taken away. Is that true? It's amazing how much of our time, how much of our focus is on all of the material things in life that we can get so worried about them or so angry about them as if we don't have spiritual blessings in Christ. Now, you might say, okay, what does it look like to try to place primary emphasis on the spiritual? How how does that work? Well, I'm certainly not an expert. 
Okay, I am not an expert. But let me just mention some ideas, and maybe this will be helpful to you to think, how can I be more spiritually minded? One of the most precious times for me personally, every day, is when I sit down in my chair next to our fireplace. Many of you have been to our house. You've seen that chair. You've seen that fireplace. And you know between that chair and that fireplace is my Bible. And I love every morning just getting my Bible on my lap and spending some time reading the Word of God and praying before I launch off into my day. And I do that as a habit on purpose. Why? I just want to spend some time doing exactly what this passage of Scripture is saying, just rehearsing all of the spiritual blessings that I have in Christ, and then praying through the meetings I'm going to have and the responsibilities I'm going to have that day, and asking, what would it look like to walk in the Spirit in that particular situation? Contrasted to, what would it look like to walk in the flesh in that particular situation? And, and, and what I try to do, is I, I, I have a deal with myself. Don't get out of that chair until you found all of the joy that you need in Christ for the entire day. So I'm not trying to get something from that person or get something from that meeting or I have to have my way in that. No, 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 no. I have all I need already, spiritually speaking, in Christ. That has a way of balancing out one's day there's also the issue of just looking to take mental breaks during the day. And I realize we all have different schedules. It may be difficult for you to take mental breaks. Some of you know my office, I just about hit a nine iron to it. It's right over there in the corner of the building. Well, every so often I have to get up from my chair and come out here, take a few laps on this walking. It's really nice to have a walking track about 200 feet from my desk. And you say, why do you do that? Well, for different reasons, but here's one of them. There are times when I'm over there at my desk and I'm starting to worry about something. Can you imagine a pastor, a pastor, worrying about some material thing? What's wrong with that? And if I don't get my brain straight, it's like that's the most important thing in the world, as if I don't have any spiritual blessings in Christ. And maybe it's time to take a mental break and take a few laps and put all that back in perspective. Or, or this might surprise you. Every so often, something happens around here that actually starts to get me a bit angry. Can you imagine that? Not every email that is sent to me is every bit as sweet as the one you sent to me. You know what I mean? And so I'm a human being. There are things that upset me. And when I start to feel myself becoming sinfully angry about something, it's time to take a break. It's time to walk a few laps and to think about all the spiritual blessings that I have in Jesus Christ that are far more, far more important than whatever this particular situation is that might be making me angry in the moment. There's also the issue of building friendships with spiritual people. And I'm very, very thankful for the spiritually minded people that God has given me in my life friends who can speak God's Word into me to help me do this very, very thing. Steve, right now, are you blessing God or are you focused on some other material thing? There's also the issue of listening to spiritual music. You know, if you're cramming your head with foolishness, right, you hang around the crock long enough, you're going to start smelling like a pickle, and maybe one of the reasons we don't bless the Lord as frequently as we should if we don't is because we're bringing all sorts of inputs into our heart and mind 
that, that are nothing more than, than fleshly. So, so why should we bless God? Because of the, the immaterial, the, the spiritual nature of many of His blessings to us. I've been thinking a lot about Casus Street Baptist Church, the church that planted us 60 years ago. That's our mother church. And if you have friends that go over to Casu Street or neighbors or coworkers that go over to Casu Street, I hope you'll look for opportunities this year to thank them. Because you, one of the interesting things about all this is it's our 60th anniversary, it's our mother church's 80th anniversary. So what's that tell you? How old, let's do some hard math here this morning. How old was Casu Street when they planted us? 20 years old. They were a relatively young church, and they could have been putting all of their focus on them. They could have been worrying about them and, and their prosperity and their wealth and blah, 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 blah. But instead, they saw another part of our town that was growing. A lot of houses were being built. It didn't have a Bible-believing church. And so they scooped off five of their families and sent them off to plant a brand-new church, even though they were only 20 years old. How do you make a decision like that? The answer is you're spiritually minded. The answer is you are satisfied with all of the blessings you already have in Jesus Christ, and that frees you up to be incredibly courageous. It frees you up to be incredibly generous. Praise God for people like that. And I hope every one of us would say, and I want to be more like that too. I want to be more like that too. Now, secondly, praise God because of the, the comprehensive character of many of His blessings to us. It's not just that they're spiritual blessings, but Paul also says this, it's every. You get that? That's what we're talking about now, every spiritual blessing. One of the things I, I love about this year is that our 60th anniversary provides a wonderful opportunity to celebrate that we have everything we need in Christ, our sufficiency in Christ. That goes back to what I was saying a moment ago about Casus Street. They could not have taken that huge step of faith unless they already believed they had everything they needed in their Lord. And think about those five families. It's not easy to leave your church family and go and start something that's new. Right? You're leaving everything that's familiar to you. You're leaving all of the, the resources that are there in an existing church. You're, you're leaving friendships. How in the world could they do that? Answer is because they believe they had how many spiritual blessings? A few? No, they believe they had every spiritual blessing in Christ, and that's what motivated them to serve Him the, the way they did. Our sufficiency in Christ this is a very important emphasis in the Bible. So we have, for example, John 1.15. John, this is John the Baptist, testified about him and cried out, saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me has a higher rank than I, for he existed before me. And then listen to this. For of his what? You get a little bit when you come to Christ? No, for of his fullness we have all received, and grace upon grace upon grace... Or like Jesus said from the cross, think about this. Therefore, when Jesus had received the sour wine, He said to Telestai, not I got it part of the way down the road. No, it's finished. He's a Savior who is absolutely sufficient. Or this great passage, 
For Jesus rescued us from the domain of darkness, transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He's the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by Him all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, thrones, dominions, rulers, authorities. All things have been created through Him and for Him. He's before all things, and in Him all things hold together. He's also head of the body of the church. He's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that what? He Himself might come to have first place in everything. We have every spiritual blessing in Christ. It was the Father's good pleasure for all the, here it is, the fullness to dwell in Him. As I get older, I have an increasing number of people who say, hey, what are the five to ten books that have influenced you the most over your pastoral career. Uh, the, the challenge with that is they don't realize that the older I get, it's harder for me to remember <laughs> the books that I read. I have trouble remembering what I had for breakfast yesterday. But, but no doubt, one of the books that has been most influential in my heart and life and in the way I've tried to lead our church these years is this book. It's what we're talking about right now, that we have every spiritual blessing in Christ. It's a book called Our Sufficiency in Christ. I would encourage you to read it if you've not read it before. And here's a a quote from the, the end of that book. MacArthur says, as Christians, we live in a strata for which human wisdom cannot provide resources. Our ability to live the Christian life is from God alone. And when it comes to spiritual matters, all we need to know is revealed in God's Word and ministered to us by His Spirit. We needn't look elsewhere. Do you believe that? One of the Old Testament names of God is El Shaddai, meaning the the all-sufficient one. It's name rich with meaning. Those who worship Him in spirit and in truth find Him adequate for every necessity of life. They don't need any supplementary experience, a stronger dose of His redemption, or any other spiritual or emotional accoutrement. We don't need any of that. Why? God's given to every believer abundant grace, we sang about that, that is utterly sufficient to fulfill our deepest longings, our most intense cravings, our most profound needs, every human requirement. When I went back to find that quote, I was a little surprised to realize that book was published in 1991. And there's a sense in which those concepts have guided much of my thinking and much of my decisions about ministry here. So Paul's emphasis is we don't just have a few spiritual blessings or a fairly sizable number of spiritual blessings. We have every one that we need. And the upshot is learn to rejoice in your spiritual blessings. Now, you might say, well, what are they? What are these spiritual blessings? Well, I'm, I'm purposely avoiding the ones that come later in the passage. Why is that? Well, as you know, we have a, a, a preaching team of 12 to 14 pastors here, and they've all been assigned different phrases in these first 14 verses. And so we have a, having a, a team of pastors preaching, that, that works out well. I think it's a blessing to our church in a lot of ways, as long as you have sort of a, it's a deal, stay off of one another's real estate. And I know that, that, that might sound a little bit territorial, but if I jump into every verse that's been assigned to the guy who's scheduled to preach later in the month, or just, that's, that's, that's not going to work. But, but, but here's some general term. When we think about spiritual blessings, here's some general ideas that I hope will help us. One is it's a plan for us from eternity past. And I would encourage you not to think about your spiritual blessings simply in terms of what's occurred during your natural life. Why? 
You saw it in this passage. It's one of the reasons I read the entire passage. There's an emphasis here on the doctrine of election. And I realize that can be controversial in some places. In fact, a number of years ago, I had a friend in another state who preached a message on Ephesians 1-4 on Sunday. He was an associate pastor. He was fired on Monday. Some people don't want to hear anything about what Scripture says about this. Listen, a very important aspect of your salvation story is that God entered into a loving relationship with you before the foundation of the world. That that's what the word foreknowledge means. Not that God looked down the corridors of time and saw who would eventually come to trust Christ as Savior and Lord. No, spiritually dead people don't make wise choices like that. We're talking, think about a spiritual blessing, God before the foundation of the world entering into a loving relationship with you as an individual. One of our bread and butter passages around here is Romans 8, 28. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose, for those whom, here it is, He foreknew. See, He didn't start loving you yesterday. That's a spiritual blessing. He also predestined to become conformed to the image of His Son so that we would be the firstborn among many brethren I want to encourage you to think about that spiritual blessing this morning, that before the foundation of the world, and by the way, we're talking about the God of heaven and earth who knows everything about you, everything, everything about your past, everything about your present, and everything about your future. What do you think of that? How about if we just showed a video of all of that right now? Would you stay? All the rest of us would. No. But listen, that God who knows all of that, all of it, He still chose to have a personal relationship with you based on His love for how long? Before the foundation of the world. That is a spiritual blessing on which you can hang your hat. You also have new life in Him. Paul talked about that in Romans chapter 6, verse 1. And we're not a perfect group of people by any stretch of the imagination, but I'll tell you, this is a good church. This is, I I count it an incredible privilege to be starting my 37th year of ministry with the brothers and sisters at Faith Church. A wonderful, wonderful church family. And why is that? Because everyone who has trusted Christ as Savior and Lord is a recipient of the spiritual blessing of new life in Him. We also have the indwelling Spirit of God. We don't believe it's by might or it's by power. We believe it's, it's by Thy Spirit that His work is done around here, saith the Lord. Or, or the privilege of prayer. So, so Jesus said it this way, in that day you'll not question me about anything. Truly, truly, I say to you, if you ask the Father for anything in my name, He'll give it to you. And you might say, really, is there any evidence of that around here? Look at this building, right? The city contacted us. Mayor Roseworski asked us if we would come down to the north end and begin doing ministry. And I'll tell you exactly what the mayor said to me. He said, we cannot um, police our way out of all the problems here. We cannot tax our way out of all the problems here. We need a Christian group to come down here and join all the other good people who are working down here and try to help make this part of town a better place. Well, what did we start doing? We started praying. 
and praying and praying and praying because we did not have the resources in our, of ourselves to be able to do ministry here to the degree, the extent, at the level of excellence that we thought the people of this neighborhood deserved. So what did we do? We prayed, 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 prayed. And what is our God? He's a God who chooses to give us how many spiritual blessings? A few. Is He a stingy God? No, every spiritual blessing, in, and let, look, look around this place. And by the way, it's debt-free. What, what, what does that mean? God blesses in incredible ways through the power of prayer, our, our access to and our ability to, to understand the, uh, the Word of God. That is one of the spiritual blessings that we enjoy. So I just ask you, is there any doubt in your mind that God has blessed you with every spiritual blessing? And is there any doubt in your mind that God has blessed this church with every spiritual blessing? And if the answer is no, there's no doubt in my mind about any of that, then what kind of people should He and others find us to be? And the answer is those who are regularly blessing Him. And by the way, if you don't know that you know that you know that you're on your way to heaven, I hope you're saying right now, I want in on that. I, I, how do I get into that room? And the answer is through the door of faith in Christ, of admitting your need and placing your faith and trust in Christ as Savior and Lord. And if you don't absolutely have certainty that you've done that, I want to encourage you to talk to one of our service pastors and get that handled before the close of business today, before the, the sun goes down. Now, lastly, praise God because of the divine location of many of His blessings to us. Where is all of this found? Where's the vault? That's what I want to know. Where's the vault? And here's the answer. It's in the heavenly places in Christ. And that's why they've sustained our church family for 60 years. If you've been around this town, you may know there's a few people in this town who don't like us very much. <laughs> God bless them. Uh, they don't like the fact that we're a Bible-believing church. And even though we're not trying to force that on anybody, the, the fact that we choose to joyfully believe that for ourselves and those who care to hear what we have to say, that that bothers some people. Well, we're not intimidated by that. We're not ashamed of the gospel. But there's been a few attacks, speaking of the media. <laughs> well, has that ever been successful? Absolutely not. Why? Because the blessings they're trying to attack aren't located on earth. We got them locked away, don't we? Yeah, they're secure in the heavenly places, and they're grounded in the person and work of Jesus Christ. See, that's why our anniversary can remind us to set our minds on things above and therefore grow in personal and, and corporate holiness. And perhaps a good way to just conclude what we're talking about here is what Paul said to the Colossians, therefore, if you've been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above. That's what we're talking about this morning, not on the things that are on earth. For you've died, your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who's our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with Him in glory. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. Why are you worrying about that? Why are you angry about that? To which indeed you were called in one body and be thankful. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks through Him. God the Father. I'm asking you this morning, do you really believe in Christ that you have all the spiritual blessings 
that are necessary. And you might say, well, Pastor Ross, I got some, I got some troubles going on in my life. I don't doubt that. But what I'm encouraging you to do is to put those troubles or those, those difficulties in context of the spiritual blessings that you have, and that'll give you joy. And you might say, well, you don't know the situation in which I woke up this morning. Well, maybe I don't, but let me ask you this, and I'm not trying to be mean, but I am trying to put this in perspective. Did you wake up in an orphanage this morning? Did, did you? I was in an orphanage couple of weeks ago down in the Dominican Republic. Many of these kids are brought to this orphanage because either both of their parents are in jail or because of horrendous abuse. Here's some of the pictures of these kids. This is, not only they have a beautiful orphanage, they've actually, by God's grace, been able to build a Christian school for these kids. So they're leaving breakfast and they're heading down the street to their Christian school. Look at those faces. The, the, the staff, many of the staff live on the other side of the road, so they're coming the other way, so everybody gets hugs. It takes a, an incredibly long time to get down to um, school. Here's some of the other little guys in there. Aren't you glad for an orphanage of teaching them about Jesus? That's teaching them that they can have every spiritual blessing that they need in Christ. And friends, it's possible to have joy even though you may have a home situation that is very, very difficult. And I'm glad our church has relationships with people like this around the world. We actually have a program right now at our school where some um, young people from that orphanage, when they get up to their senior year in high school, can come here to faith. And so this is Emilio and Wesley. They're actually seniors in our high school. Just a couple of weeks ago, I was standing on the grounds of the orphanage where Emilio and Wesley grew up. And I was thinking about, isn't it wonderful now? They're living in Lafayette, Indiana. They're with loving families. And they're experiencing a, a Christian high school education. And their future is bright. Their future is bright. Why? Why? It's because they have every spiritual blessing in Christ. And it's locked away. It's locked away in the heavenly places in Him. Let's pray together, shall we? Father in heaven. Lord, we, um, we confess to you that too often we get all wound up about things that they don't matter a lick, not in comparison to what we're talking about this morning. So, Father, I pray that you would help us to put our challenges, and I know that there are some significant ones represented in this room. But Lord, help us to put those in perspective with spiritual truth that cannot be taken away. We pray that we would be people who bless you as a result. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.